In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My question, have you understood all this? And their answer, yes, is a laugh line. <laughs> the parables of Jesus are, in their strangeness, meant to wake us up to the mystery of the kingdom of heaven come near. There's a word about mystery from Frederick Beekner, the Presbyterian minister, gifted preacher, and author. He says, there are mysteries which you can solve by taking thought. For instance, a murder mystery whose mysteriousness must be dispelled in order for the truth to be known. There are other mysteries which do not conceal a truth to think your way to, but whose truth is itself the mystery. The mystery of yourself, for example. The more you try to fathom it, the more fathomless it is revealed to be. No matter how much of yourself you're able to objectify and examine, the quintessential living part of yourself will always elude you. In other words, the part that is conducting the examination. Thus, you do not solve the mystery, you live the mystery. And you do that not by fully knowing yourself, but by fully being yourself. And to say that God is a mystery is to say that you can never nail God down. Even on Christ, the nails proved ultimately ineffective. So parables resist our attempts to solve them, and by doing so, invite us to live the mystery rather than solve it like a whodunit. When we're trying to clear it away, uh, we end up seeing our own judgments about the kingdom of heaven, our preconceptions and expectations closing down mystery rather than opening to the blazing, burning bush reality that shines on unconsumed beneath our limiting stories about it. By resisting our easy interpretation with discursive reason, the top two inches of our minds, the parables invite us to an attitude of wonder, curiosity, open-handedness. They invite us to perceive the mystery of God's dream for the world being worked out in the stuff of ordinary life the kingdom of heaven that is both already here and not yet fully revealed. It's a mystery to be lived rather than a riddle to be answered or a puzzle to solve. We can learn to say with Jacob in that uh, stony-pillowed Bethel place, surely God is in this place, though I did not know it. This is the very gate of heaven. So today we get this string of five parables about the kingdom of heaven each shows us some aspect of this mystery, the mystery of God's presence at work in the ordinary that can't be solved and thereby closed down, only received and welcomed, wondered at. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard bush, and a mustard bush is a weed, really. If you're really keeping kosher, you're not supposed to plant it in your garden at all because the mustard weed will quickly take over the neatly ordered rows with their popsicle stick signs at each end and strew its vines across the whole plot, uprooting your anticipated crops and setting up a home for many strange feathered friends. Unexpected, unpredicted, maybe unwanted, turning up all your plans. That's the kingdom come near, flowering in hospitality and welcome. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast in the dough, and huge amounts of dough, industrial quantities of dough, 
not just a home kitchen, but an all-out bakery, three measures of flour being something like three barrels of flour. And God has mixed this yeast into the stuff of creation, all her creation from the very beginning. The baker woman has put the essential yet nearly invisible leaven in the whole lump, no matter how lumpy we are. There is not anywhere the kingdom of heaven is not. The kingdom of heaven is inevitable, despite all appearances. God is coming to fish us out with a dragnet. God will scrape up absolutely everything to find us, not one bit of the deep. God won't trawl to pull us home to what is already given. Christ descends below all things for us. He doesn't despise our humanity, but plunges into it and all the stinky fish that go alongside it. He accepts it, blesses it all, gathers it in, wheat and tares together. Any sorting out that needs to be sorted out will get done, but later, and not by us. And that essential, beloved core of goodness in each one of us will certainly be saved. The kingdom of heaven is like giving everything you have just to get your hands on something that was hidden there all along. It's like mortgaging it all, the house, the car, the furniture, anything, everything, to go out and buy the one single finest pearl for which you have searched and searched. We use Godly Play for our, our children's formation program here, as you know. And I, I first heard the Godly Play version of the parable of the great pearl last fall uh, when we, St. Mark's hosted a Godly Play training here. And uh, in Godly Play, all the parables come in big golden boxes. They come in golden boxes because they are gifts. And uh, the storyteller always knocks on the wooden box for a little bit before pulling out the pieces. Uh, it may take some time to figure out how to open up a parable so we can enter into it. It takes time to live into that mystery. But we keep wondering about the parable, even when it seems to be shut. And as the storyteller says, one day it may open for you. It's godly place, so there's wooden figures on felt backgrounds that mediate Alexio Divina-style reflection on the Bible for kids of many ages inviting them to wonder about and wonder into the word of God as a treasury of sacramental presence. In the parable of the great pearl, there's a little cutout figure of a merchant who moves through all the felt houses of the world, leaving behind the cutouts of his bed, his trunk, the table, a bag of gold, a candlestick, all his essential possessions in the felt box that is his house. And he goes through the houses of the world, and these houses hold single pearls. The merchant holds them up, inspects them, looks so, so closely, eyes wide. Finally, holding one says, this is it. This is the one. Having found the great pearl, the merchant returns to his home. One by one, begins to drag everything to the market to buy the single pearl. He brings the bed goes and gets the trunk, gets the table. It takes a really long time in godly play to go get all his stuff from the felt house, the bag of gold, the candlestick, absolutely everything. And when the felt house is empty, he folds up the felt house itself and takes that to the market too. So during this training last fall, um, Joel, who was, who was teaching us, told us about one of his students' reactions to hearing this parable of the great pearl. Let's say her name was Sarah. She was about eight years old. 
And upon seeing the merchant preparing to give up everything and folding up his house at the end there, she let out this anguish cry, not the house, not the house. It was heart-wrenching. She was very upset. She refused to engage with the story any further, became withdrawn and quiet. Joel learned afterward that she was living with her mother and her boyfriend. They were about to move for the third time that year. Where was the safe house for this child? She was in and out of church for the next few months, and Joel didn't see her much until about four months later. He was subbing for someone else in godly play last minute, came in without a plan, and asked the kids what story they wanted to hear. Sarah was there, and he was surprised to hear her say, tell the pearl, tell the pearl. Joel said he was a little hesitant to revisit the story that had been so sensitive for her. But he trusted the story. He trusted the kid. Trusted God in all of it. So he, he told the pearl. And then he asked some of the wondering questions at the end. Where are you in this story? Sarah reached out to pick up the great pearl, for which everything had been given up. And she said, I get it. I'm the pearl. Jesus gave everything to be with me, even his house. I'm still so moved by that. (laughs) Sarah let this parable take her deep into the mystery of the self-emptying of Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, giving up everything for us. That's the mystery of the kingdom right there. Jesus comes to be with us, stops at nothing to love us, is willing to give up every privilege and power proper to divinity to inhabit and bless our humanity, weak and little as it is, to reveal it shot through with holiness. This flesh is the very gate of heaven. Back to Frederick Buechner, he said once that if he was called upon to sum up everything he was trying to say, both as a novelist and a preacher, It'd be something like this. Listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is. In the boredom and pain of it, no less than in the excitement and gladness. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments. Life itself is grace. Sarah was listening to her life and living into mystery. It was too painful at first. She tried to shut it down. But big questions like hers are lived through, not neatly answered. As the letter to the Romans says, the Spirit groans within us in our weakness. And when we feel that inclination to shut down mystery in our fear and anxiety, that same Spirit can help us to stay, to abide, to be with, and open to mystery. That Spirit assures us of God's presence, helps us open our hands to receive it. So the point of the parable isn't that we need to go out and fetch pearls, not even the very best pearls. It's the doorway into the fathomless mystery of God's steadfast covenant faithfulness. God with us, God coming back to fetch us, God seeking us out, dragging us up from the depth of despair and doubt, even death itself. Drawing us into wonder, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear the already present kingdom. A final comment on the godly play story, and this is not an ad spot for godly play, but it really is that good. Uh, The giant background, the felt underlay on which the entire uh, parable of the great pearl takes place, 
is this giant white circle, sort of like a snowball or an enormous pearl. No attention is called to it. It's never mentioned explicitly. But it gently backgrounds the parable, reminding us the entire search for the one precious thing takes place over top of, is always grounded by that precious thing itself. Looking for the pearl, you're in the pearl. The kingdom has come near. Nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given everything to be with us. Amen.